Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Well, your parents want to. The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Good morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people out there. You're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The Savvy Entrepreneur Show has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. If I can help just one of you entrepreneurs out there not to make some of the same mistakes that I've made, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire, because I think being an entrepreneur is confusing and often lonely. So every week, I have guests on the show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And this week's guest is Laura Barnard. She's the founder and owner of Breakthrough Brands, and she joins me this week to talk about personal branding and why it's so important for startups and small businesses. She knows what she's talking about, having been in the business of helping organizations with branding for quite a few years, including some stints at companies that spend a lot of money on branding and marketing, including UBS, Wrigley, and others. Breakthrough Brand, she says, is a branding agency empowering leaders to build more impactful personal and professional brands. So, Laura, thanks so much for being with me today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Doris. I'm thrilled to be here with you. I'm delighted you've joined us. I think the place to start is really to talk a little bit about your background, why you're so passionate about branding. How did your journey lead you here? Great. Well, uh, thanks. A little trip down memory lane here a bit. Um, So my initial understanding of branding really didn't occur until after I went to business school. I think I grew up um, loving brands and not really knowing it. And I had the chance to study psychology as an undergrad. And then after a few years in the working world, I had the chance to go pursue my MBA where I chose the path of kind of applying the, the love of psychology that I had to this thing called marketing and this other career path called brand management, which sounded interesting to me but I didn't really know very much about it. The background in psychology that I pursued initially was all about my passion for understanding people um, and then kind of empathy for people. Why do people think, act, and behave in the ways that they do? I was curious about that sort of uh, generally speaking and very genuinely. And branding and marketing really is, to me, a lot of applying that, those same principles of psychology. So trying to understand consumers What's going to motivate them? What are their interests, desires, uh, their hopes, their fears, all those things? Because ultimately, branding is about uh, connecting with the hearts and minds of consumers. So there's a lot of psychology in it. But for me, pursuing my MBA uh, at the University of Chicago really opened the door. You mentioned the, the Wrigley Company. That was my first foray as a professional. And that started what was about a 15-year career path uh, in the brand management field within the consumer goods industry. It's very interesting that you have a psychology background, because I do think there's a lot of 
getting into people's heads and being an armchair shrink, if you will, yeah. a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm joking, but, yeah. you know, so tell us a little bit about your business. What are some of the kinds of problems you help your clients with and how do you do that? Yeah, um, I, I joke <laughs> sometimes that I'm mostly a psychologist to, to our clients, but um, what I try to do is every project that we work on with clients starts with a really deep discovery into the person, into those motivations, those interests, those desires, their goals, um, and really trying to unearth within them their purpose, uh, what they want to stand for, kind of their vision for themselves. And the problems, um, some of the barriers that get into the way of that sort of unearthing there are many, but I think if I boil it down, <laughs> oh, but there are many, I'm there are many, exactly. right. There's, there's, there's no shortages, you know, with you sprinkle COVID in there, there's, there's uh, everything sort of has been exacerbated, but I think from a psychological standpoint, I think it's, it's two things. It's clarity and confidence. Um, sometimes people get a little bit unclear. And I think it, at the, the top of the show, you mentioned sometimes for entrepreneurs, it can be confusing, lonely, questioning, am I in the, I in the right track? So that is kind of a combination of a lack of clarity. And, and sometimes, especially with, I find with being one of these, a, a female leader, there is often an issue of confidence and you'll hear words thrown around like the imposter syndrome or just insecure and, and being scared to be vulnerable, all those things. And I think it's, it boils down to solving the ultimate problem of providing clients with, um, with clarity on their purpose, clarity on a path to take to activate their brands in a meaningful way, and then the confidence to go out there and, and speak up and speak out for what they believe in. Yeah. Just thinking back on my own little journey, yeah. it's one of those things that sounds super easy to do. And yet it's really hard because we are full of these voices in our heads of what we're supposed to do or what we're supposed to look like, things that we're supposed to do. It is hard to get some of that out of your head, at least I've found. So what is a brand exactly? You know, I think people think intuitively of Nike or Coke or something like that as a brand, but, but what's a brand really? And great question. And I, I spend a lot of time talking about this topic. I, I teach on this topic at, at the college level and the, the most, I try to simplify it for any audience, whether it's a, a college student or a senior executive kind of crossing the spectrum. A brand is a promise in, in a word. Another way to understand a brand is that it's, it really exists in the, in the minds of the consumer. So there's, there's a promise that a brand product or service uh, brand promises to do for the consumer and only what the consumer experiences, uh, the kind of whole, the, the perception is reality that where that, what the consumer experiences of what that brand promises is the only thing that matters. So brand perception is really, uh, is something that exists in the mind of the consumer. So really branding is, is a battle for the mind. You mentioned, you know, Nike and Apple and these other very high awareness brands and people often associate the uh, the logo with the brand and a brand is is really much more than that it's more of this emotional connection that when you see that mark that trademark that brand mark on a product it, it's shortcutting it's signaling to you a promise of something yeah. and there's there's emotional there's there's as many emotional benefits to the to the thing often as there are functional benefits so it's really you know in a word a promise in a word a perception but it's really that that shortcut for the consumer to know this is what I'm going to get if I buy yes. this, I consume this. So it's it's a bit of a shortcut. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting during the pandemic, especially, but our world is changing so fast that there really is a need to often pivot. And certainly that's true for startup businesses. You know, sometimes the path you started down is not where you see you need to go or the clients that you thought were going to launch your product are not quite the same. And so, you know, I'm just thinking of brands that have destroyed themselves or have damaged their brand Mm -hmm. because when they pivot, they don't live up to the brand. And one that jumps to my mind, probably because it's breakfast time and I'm still hungry (laughs) is Krispy Kreme. You know, there's one that had it this enormous popularity with these hot, fresh donuts, but then they started selling them in grocery stores and they were, they were no longer fresh or hot. And I think that kind of did bad things to their brand, you know? Absolutely. Well, Ned, I think it's, this, that's a great example. And I, that I suddenly am craving donuts as well. Um, but I think this, <laughs> this, what, you know, what was so unique in a pretty crowded space, you think of, you know, there's, you know, tens of thousands of Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks and and more mom and pop donut shops. So how in that moment in time did Krispy Kremes kind of break through, right? They stood out, they did something uh, that was different. They had a very specific, unique selling proposition and it was a high sensory experience and it was a high quality product. And it was definitely tapped into, um, you know, the, the, we call the, the word hedonics, like deep in our brain, that sweet, that salty, that texture, the crispiness, you know, right. that warmth of the, the offering. And if you deviate from that, like you mentioned with throwing those donuts into boxes and they sit, sit cold for a couple of days on a grocery shelf, that promise is no longer fulfilled. So back right. to- what a bad idea. I don't know who did exactly. branding, well, some- but that was a bad, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I that was a really bad decision. Right. So. And, and it's all about, again, back to the consumer um, brands that are built with a really, really deep understanding of the consumer back to the psychology of you know, that that eating experience, they, maybe they forgot for a second who their consumer really was. Yeah. And that happens to a small business people too. I mean, I'm thinking back to my own, not that I had this powerful brand or anything, but, you know, I think I'm not alone as a consultant. You say, this is my value proposition. These are the clients I want to help. This is why I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes to you and says, well, I really need this. Could you help me with this? Mm -hmm. And you need to make your mortgage payment. And then, you know, then you're in the middle of the project and you're like, why am I doing this project? This is not the kind of client I want to help. This is not the kind of work I want to be doing. Branding is one of those things. It sounds like, oh, well, I'm going to come up with my swoosh logo and I got my brand, but your brand, I think the story of the story I just told you and the story Mm -hmm. of Krispy Kreme and there are lots of others out there. Your brand is something you need to be mindful about all the time, right? Absolutely. It's, it's um, not never a one and done exercise or thing and, and think about, you know, brands that have, have stood the test of time, uh, if you will. And the brand example that I, I often use is Coca-Cola. You know, Coca-Cola was around in the 1800s and they've said that, you know, and it's not, um, you know, in the, in the definite trend of better for you wellness, you know, they, they've had to reinvent. And I think the point is that the brands have to evolve. Um, they're, they're, However, there are some some very key things that that are are kind of stay true and stay consistent. Um, 
the the red, the, you know, the Coca-Cola red, there's this very specific color of red that is uh, is owned by Coca-Cola. It's a distinctive brand asset. And the use of that asset, you know, and, and the 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 hand script font of the of the Coca-Cola logo and the sort of you can kind of picture it in your mind, right? You see a truck today drive by a Coca-Cola truck or you're, right. you're overseas and you see a billboard or you see a digital ad. Yep. And a lot of the same um, distinctive brand assets are still yep. adhered to. However, the brand to survive has had to evolve, has had to stay relevant with consumers. Can't just say, you know, we offer one flavor of high, high fructose syrup, sugar, soda, and we are who we are and that's it. They've, they've, they've evolved their portfolio. They are very, very big into, um, you know, people and planet initiatives to, to, um, you know, to, to do some good in the world, right. Not just sell, uh, you know, cases and cases of Coca-Cola. So I love, you know, examples of, you know, brands have stood the test of time, but they've done it through, uh, staying relevant and really, you know, you know, owning those distinctive brand assets, but always staying relevant to the needs of the consumer. Yeah. Well, let's turn to personal branding. So, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to Coke and the the Nike swoosh and, Mm -hmm. and commercials about Nike and their gear. Um, But, but talk about personal branding. How is that similar or different to these big company brands? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start off um, on on how it's similar. And if you remember, uh, recall back a few minutes ago, but that this whole idea of, the, of a brand being perception, right? It's it's um, a product or service or company brand. Um, yes, they sell stuff, but it's ultimately about a perception that they create in the, the mind of the consumer. A personal brand, very similarly to that, is the way an individual is perceived and felt by others. So uh, there are things that we say and things that we do, and there is a reaction that other people have to that, how they feel about that. And where those things meet, how people perceive what you say and what you do, that is your brand. Um, th- there's a, a Jeff Bezos quote, which I, I kind of cringe quoting him sometimes because Amazon's one of those <laughs> conflicting brands, right? As a, but, as it, but they're a famous brand. There's no question brand. about it. So Jeff Bezos, uh, I do like one quote that he has shared and that, uh, some other things I have questions about for sure. But, um, you know, he, his, his assessment is, is that your personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So thinking about, again, that space that you've carved out in someone's mind and in someone's heart and mind really, um, is, is, is your brand. So when, you know, what do you want to be known for? Um, what do you stand for? What are you remembered for? And personal brands matter um, because if and because uh, of emotional connections, there has to be an emotional connection. This idea of, of um, you know, we use the word brand love, and it's not you know not a romantic love, but it's, it's really about creating uh, an emotional connection. Um, if you if you are a personal brand and a namesake brand, we call them um, that. You you can't just appeal to people's uh, functional needs, uh, you have to appeal to their emotional needs as well and and seek to make those um, more meaningful emotional connections. Well, why should an entrepreneur or small business really care about their personal branding? I mean, is personal branding different from like my professional brand? Uh, You know, I think of my personal brand is, is, you know, am I social and you know, what's my circle of friends and yeah. my professional is kind of like my LinkedIn brand, but, but maybe, maybe that's not really a good distinction. 
Yeah. Um, and it, that's another great question, Doris. I think um, I, I love I love a good Venn diagram. So if you could close your eyes and imagine. So there's the circle that is your quote unquote personal brand. And then there's a circle that encompasses your professional brand. If you were to intersect those two circles where those two circles meet, I think that's where the magic can happen. And that we call that your, your breakthrough brand, um, hence the name of the company, where there is this breakthrough um, <laughs> where you can align your personal purpose, mission, vision, the impact you're seeking, and, and that uh, with, with your professional purpose, mission, vision, impact. And when you know, I've worked for, for some really uh, wonderful, large global, you know, Fortune 500 organizations, and um, I've set, kind of seen the spectrum when, when, when the organizations, um, you know, the brand of the company uh, and the brand, if you will, of the, the leaders were aligned, really amazing things could happen. When there was a mismatch um, of values, a mismatch of, of purpose, a mismatch of vision, uh, it is confusing. It could be chaotic. It's unclear. And when that alignment occurs, really great impact can happen. And I think for entrepreneurs, I think it's, it's you know, sometimes people are reluctant to say, reluctant to self-promote or reluctant to, to quote unquote, build their personal brand because they're focused on their business. But if you're a founder of a company, and I, I speak this because I'm living it, my story as a founder matters to why people will care while, while they'll choose to work with us over many of other of the branding agencies out there. So my story um, as the founder is a part of the story of the, of the, of the brand breakthrough brands. And, and when people can kind of see that, that connection um, it just, again, it's about that human connection. And I go back to the emotional connection. It's it, there's a real person behind these companies. Um, and it's um, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable for people to, to put themselves out there to say, here, here's who I am. Here's, what I think, here's what I stand for, and here's my company. And wow, it's cool, but we stand for the same things. Like when they align, um, it, it tends to be a more compelling uh, story for people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, it, it's almost like sometimes, um, you know, I'm thinking back to one of my businesses where I almost wanted to hide behind um, a facade to make myself seem bigger than I was. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think part of it was that I, I felt I wasn't alone. My personal brand wasn't enough mm. to attract the clients. And, you know, I think it goes back to, there's a book, uh, you know, called people by you. Mm -hmm. And so there is this, this tension, I think, between people wanting to, wanting to be bigger than they are, you know, yeah. fake it till you make it right. Yeah. But at the same time, people buy you. So I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but I think it's I love it. an interesting tension. Yeah. I, I love the, this notion of people buy you. And I think one of our many taglines as we're, as we're growing and, and trying out some new communications as an agency um, is this idea of, you know, to the, this this idea of being you, um, that if you are um, clear on who you are, kind of internally, you can be more clear externally to your audience, to your consumer. Um, and really, I think um, to to be clear on who you are, uh, it starts this this whole Simon Sinek is the great author and and, and motivational speaker. Yeah. That, you, that you must start with your why. Um, so people, you know, every company on the planet knows what they do, uh, what they sell or what they, the services they offer. Most companies or people 
organizations know how they do things. They can talk about what makes them special or what sets them apart, but um, very few organizations, and, I'm, and I say organizations sort of liberally, it can be be a startup, it can be a nonprofit, it can be a, a company, your business. Um, very few companies know why they do what they do and um, why is not about making money. Um, if that's a result, that's an output. Why is your purpose, your cause or belief? It's the very reason that your company exists. And um, people care less about, you know, what you've done or your resume, or your bullets or you know, your track record metrics of success, and they, they will care, uh, again, emotionally more about why. And that's, um, I think, ties back to you, what, what you've shared, Doris, that people buy you, they need to know that you're, um, as much as they need to know that you're pro- proficient, incredible, and professional, that you can deliver the thing. Uh, if they don't understand why you're doing it, uh, it might be a missed opportunity, and it might be, um, you know, they might not have a full picture understanding of, of you. I'm just chuckling because I have guests on the show every week and I'm constantly amazed by intelligence, the creativeness, the persistence of people that I have on the show Mm -hmm. uh, who are entrepreneurs or who help entrepreneurs, but are, you know, a lot of them are entrepreneurs in their own right. Mm -hmm. And it's just very interesting how when I ask people say, if, you know, to give me a few words about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, we, it, it's, it's so typical. We all wanted to fall to my resume and my bullet points yeah. as opposed to, especially in radio, it's kind of funny in radio mm-hmm. as a medium where you don't get to um, have any visual cues. You don't right. get other than the ones you create through, through your words and your voice, um, you know, you don't, you don't get eye contact. You don't see facial expressions. Right. Um, and yet it's, it's funny how we default and I literally have to push some of my guests to say, yeah, that's a very nice CV. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think people really care that you, you know, you, you have a, a two master's degrees and a PhD, what they, they want to know, why, why right. are you here? What, what makes you want to help Absolutely. entrepreneurs, right? It's just, Absolutely. it's funny. We're all that, we're all, that's all our default for a lot of us, right? Absolutely. Um, and just, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling right back at you because I'm thinking this, this, the, the amazing, uh, powerful art of storytelling. Um, at, this is a lot of what we coach our our clients on, and and imagine our our most our clients are are probably 50 50 You know, individual kind of personal brands, maybe uh, you know, higher profile. I I, I call them pseudo celebrities because we're always trying to push you know to make them more visible. And and the other half of our client base is uh, you know entrepreneurs, founders people starting things. And it doesn't matter, again, on that spectrum, who you are, if you're just starting out or if you're very established in your career, you have to remember uh, the art of storytelling. And you mentioned, especially, uh, you know, with radio, where you're not seeing the nonverbal cues, the, the acknowledgement, the kind of, you, you kind of can't react to each other quite as well. But um, what you can do is paint a picture for people, um, you know, know, knowing your audience, uh, being authentic, being willing to be a little bit vulnerable, telling stories, um, and there's a, there's a book that I, I share with my students often, um, and it may be interesting for the audience. Um, it's called The Leader's Guide to Storytelling, and it's by an author uh, by the name of Stephen Denning. And um, there's a quote that I share from, from his book that I, I think will, will connect with what you're saying. 
um, is that, you know, anyone who has a new idea and wants to change the world will do better by telling stories than by any amount of logical exhortation. So I had to look up what the word exhortation means, but it, you know, you, you can't, it's, it's, it's less about, again, to your point, the bullet points, the resume, this laundry list of things that you've done or convincing with facts and figures and more about using a story um, to explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you serve, how you can help people, um, those new ideas that can change the world. Uh, the best leaders do this uh, kind of, you know, really not really thinking about it. They're just natural storytellers. And that's something we, we coach our clients to do, you know, every day. It's, it's, it's really, really important. and can be so powerful. Why do you think you're so passionate about this topic? What is it about you and your background yeah. that makes you so passionate about branding? Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, it comes, it, it's rooted in, in just general curiosity um, and, and empathy. I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm an extrovert. Um, I'm a team you know, big, huge team sports uh, person. I, I grew up playing any any sport with with a ball in in a field of competition. I was there, um, and I think it, it sounds odd, but I, I was a basketball player um, through high school and here in the Chicago area, and, and through college, I played. I had the chance to play basketball at, at Harvard, um, which was a, a dream. And I learned um, very cool, very cool. Well, so cool. But I had, but I, but I'll tell you this part. I I, I loved. Um, above all the, the idea of being part of a team um, and really understanding how to get, you know, again, back to like what, what's going to motivate and drive and, and um, kind of guide people. And it, it's again, this, this rooting in psychology of, of how do we get the best out of this team? So a lot of what I was interested in just in, inherently was curious curiosity about people and how people could come together and work together to achieve a goal. And um, there's a big leap there to, to get into the world of branding and marketing, but um, I think it, it's rooted in just this, orientation towards people and getting, getting the most out of them and trying to understand what they need and, um, you know, uh, motivate them to action. And, uh, the other, just very specifically, there is a moment, um, where I, where I made the choice to transition from the, the corporate world, um, you know, nearly, nearly two, two decades of, of working, kind of climbing the corporate ladder, if you will, in the brand, brand management and marketing world. Um, and I, I had this moment, um, in 2017, where I uh, we had we temporarily moved out to the East Coast, and I was closer to my 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 old Harvard basketball coach, and I was thinking about um, this idea of branding, uh, applying what I knew about branding to individuals, and I and I I look at um, her name's Kathy Delaney Smith, and long story short, with her, she's the the most winning coach in Ivy League history, men's or women's, any sport. Uh, yet nobody, and I, I pretty much guarantee you nobody listening to this, um, and most people across the country, nobody knows her name. So it's the winningest coach, you know, in the history of the Ivy League who no one has ever heard of because she has never spent one moment on building her brand. Um, and it's not a self-serving brand. Uh, it's it's a brand that I believe could really inspire and lead towards uh, impact for others. And I, I reached out to her kind of with this terrible idea, right? Kathy, can I help you with your brand? And she kind of said, my what? And I said, well, let's, let's think about, you know, you have a, you have a message. That's my reaction to yeah, yeah. my what? Um, no, I'm a basketball coach. I said, no, you're, you're more than a coach. I said, we played for you. We were part of your alumni network. Now we get to listen to your words of wisdom. Your leadership lessons are instilled in us. And gosh, wouldn't it be great if more people could hear what you have to say? What if we could, you know, 
amplify your voice, amplify your reach to people, um, bottle up what you are, what you are thinking and put it into a podcast, put it into a book and just get it out to more young women. Um, and it's really a powerful lessons of leadership, powerful lessons of empowerment. So she was our, our, our loving first guinea pig client who was a proof of concept for us of, of women who, and I say this lovingly, they, they, they need to be and must be more visible. The world needs more visible women leaders. And there are people out there with, with great messages and great role models. And if we can help, you know, get them out there through their brands, through connecting with those consumers, that audience that's out there in a meaningful way, we can make the world a better place. And that, that sounds a little bit Pollyanna-ish, I, I realize, but Kathy's one of those people who can make a difference in the world and, and has, has done the work, but now it's, we're, we're helping her sort of amplify her, her voice and her message. You know, Laura, I love how aligned you and I are in our own little business goals. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I was just reading yesterday that one of the things that holds women entrepreneurs back, and there are a number of things. I mean, you know, obviously lack of funding is one of them. Women entrepreneurs still get only about 2% of venture capital money, which to me in 2021, almost 2022 is completely insane. Right. And women of color or minority women get even less, of course. But one of the things that holds women back is, is confidence. Mm. And it's funny you mention that because I will tell you that I sometimes have challenges getting women entrepreneurs on the show. Mm -hmm. They are more likely to take a lot more persuading to be on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, they are more likely to cancel mm -hmm. at the last minute. I, I, I wish this weren't so. I yeah. mean, yeah. but okay, so I haven't done any, any big survey and I'm sure my sample size is not statistically relevant, but you know, at some level, your anecdotal evidence starts to really mount. And when you start to see it consistently, it literally breaks my heart that I've had a couple of male guests who were, they basically engaged in a bunch of puffery about how great they were and how wonderful their company was and all the things they were doing and how they were going to take on the world. And yet a lot of women entrepreneurs just don't even, they're not even confident enough. And I tell the story to friends of a woman who is a co-owner in a venture capital fund. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's so few women venture capitalists is one of the reasons why women don't get a lot of funding is, right. is the, there needs to be more of those voices, but I reached out to her on someone's recommendation. And you know what she told me, she said, well, I'm used to being part of a panel. She said, mm. if you, you know, you want to put together a panel, just let me know, but right. I'm not sure how comfortable I am just speaking. Mm. And I, I, at that point, my head exploded because here is a woman venture capitalist mm. and she's only comfortable speaking on a panel. What, right. what did what is that right. about? I don't even right. know what to do with that. Right. The person you think should have the most, most confidence, um, you know, often has the least they're holding it together, but behind the scenes there, there's some fear. There's some, um, again, I, I, you know, I throw the imposter words around, but that, that is one of the better descriptions of what I think is, is going on. And it's, 
confidence, you know, as I mentioned, and you're, you're pulling the thread through, you know, what we're, what we ultimately deliver for our clients and 99% of whom are women is confidence and, and clarity is sort of, you know, that's the, how to do it, what to do next, sort of the, the strategy, the path, the plan, you know, if they need a website, whatever, the, the stuff that we do is, is get them clear on what to do, but really, really, really starts with confidence. That's, there's a great podcast called Pod, Pod Save the People. And, and this woman, um, Brittany Packnett is a, is a remarkable leader, co-host of that podcast. And she, she's um, this, if you Google search her, she's uh, self-described as completely obsessed with confidence and really viewing it as like the, the necessary spark before anything that follows. And I think that the number one thing that it requires, and this is going to sound kind of odd, but is being really curious about yourself is about self-reflection. So take that example of the woman that you shared, and this is an example of people that we would work with. And you need to understand your worth and you must take stock of the assets that you have within you. And you have to be willing to do that internal work because the the self-doubt that creeps in, uh, the imposter syndrome that creeps in, the feeling that you don't belong, you're not qualified to be in a certain role, a certain place, a certain situation that you can only perform on a panel and not you know, one-on-one, whatever it is, that's, that's the creeping in of self-doubt. And to yeah. combat that you have to be, and this is easier said than done, you have to be your own best advocate and you, you must in a way be your own coach. And this is where we, we come in to help supplement that as, you know, part of the role that we play is part psychology, but part coach coaching. and part cheerleader, right? Totally. totally. That another sports analogy. hundred percent. And we, yeah. we are all susceptible to self-doubt. We're all susceptible to negative self-talk. But this idea that we within us, we all have the ability to flip the switch, if you will, and, and engage in positive self-talk and reminding, you know, the, again, to not to pick on this, this person in the venture capital world, but this person clearly has expertise and they need to lean into that and remind themselves of that. And if they can't do it themselves, you surround yourself with resources or, or trusted friends or loved ones who, who know you best and can kind of bring you back to yourself, remind you of that. And that's another part of what we do. You know, when I'm working one-on-one with clients, I can I can say all these things to them. It sounds good, but if they don't really internalize it and believe it, you know, no action will occur. But we also we ask our clients to identify a group of four or five of their key stakeholders in their uh, life, and these are people who know them best, who can speak to their strengths, talents, abilities, and we interview them on behalf of the client, and you know, say, hey, you know, client, if you don't don't believe this about yourself, listen to what these people who know you best are saying about you. And it and it often it it sparks something in them, like it reminds them again of who they are, what they can do, and they're in control. And and it really is a is a such a great exercise that we do. And we learn so much about the client and they learn about themselves, but it it hopefully feeds into that, hey, you know, I can do this. I have the strength, I have the expertise. Again, that getting over the hump of confidence. Yeah. And I think that's so important important to have that as your foundation. It's like a house built on a, yes. on a nice solid foundation. Yes. I'm telling you, when you're an entrepreneur, for most of us, there are hurricane winds that assault yeah. you and ginormous chunks of hail. And you know your house is going to get assaulted from a lot of different directions just because that's the nature of trying to build a business from scratch. And if your foundation isn't strong, your house is going to be pretty wobbly. So right. uh, I think of what you're doing is as the foundation. Let's talk about action steps people can mm-hmm. take. How do I know whether I have good personal branding? If I have good personal branding, what, what does that accomplish? Or 
what am I not accomplishing if I don't have good personal branding? Good questions. Um, well, the easy answer is just, you can just schedule an appointment with me, right? Uh, that's what, I, this is what I'm here for. Help people get started. <laughs> and that, you know, kind of take, take the pressure off people that they don't have to do this alone. They don't have to do this themselves that we, we have a team of, of experts um, that are really good at this, that really care about this, that have, we've served, you know, over 75 clients and we're, we're building our, our uh, bench, if you will, of experience in, in helping guide people through uh, this personal branding journey. But a couple of things. So, you know, the, the, how to get started, how do I know if I, you know, if I have a brand, is it good or bad? Um, what is, who cares? What is it? Why does it even matter to, if I have a good, a good personal brand? So um, I'll start with kind of this, this idea of, of how to think about getting started. And this is something that everyone can do um, on their own. And it, it's, it, it's, I'm, I'm coming into this with, with the, with the hypothesis and the, or the principle that you must, and we must all be clear internally on who we are and our strengths, our talents, abilities in order to be externally clear. So this internal clarity, step one leads to external clarity and external clarity is how you show up in the world, how your brand shows up in the world. So the, how you get started um, is, is an internal uh, exercise. And it's uh, it starts with, um, I like to coach and encourage people into what we call the growth mindset. So many of you, and I'm sure Doris, you've heard of this uh, phrase. It's uh, There's a, a Stanford psychologist by the name of Carol Dweck, who sort of coined this idea of the growth mindset. And it's this belief that our most basic abilities can be developed through dedication, through hard work, and not just, I was born this way. I was born with this, this brain and this talent. Um, and it's fixed. You, you have this belief that it can grow, it can be developed, and it really um, is about loving to learn and um, withstanding adversity and resilience. So I want to, you know, I encourage people when they start with this internal work, step into that growth mindset, and then really start with an, your assessment of your own strengths. Um, you know, who are you? <laughs> you know, clearly define. Um, you know what what you what you stand for, what you're good at, um, what you want to be known for. And then the output of that is exercises. Again, we can all do is, is writing down uh, your personal narrative. What's your story. So knowing your strengths, kind of a strengths assessment, an honest assessment, right. And, and not a uh, bashful or reluctant self assessment and strong, positive assessment, and then writing down your personal narrative. You know, a lot of people journal, a lot of people write, write blogs or articles, but when's the last time you actually really sat down and thought about, you know, what's my story. And, and there's different frameworks or ways to go at it. You know, the simple one is chronological, but I like to think about for people is, is encouraging them to consider the milestone marker moments on their journey. What are the moments that changed you choices that you made, you know, momentum shifters, sort of those milestone marker moments on your journey and orient your narrative around those things. And then look back on it. What have you found, right? When you did your strengths assessment, what did you, what did you discover when you look at your story? You know, is it the one you want the world to know? Um, and then, you know, as you, as you think about, you know, is my brand good or bad as part of our work with clients, we do, um, it, it sounds kind of cold and callous, but it's, it's more of a systematic way. We do a, a brand audit and most of it is for the client. And we look at their digital presence and we live in a world as we, as we know, Doris, where your, your online reputation precedes you. So when people search you, what do they find? Are you easy to search? Um, we need to be uh, discoverable, right? And when people find you, wh where do they find you? What do they learn about you? What might they assume you stand for? 
Um, what can you do? How can you serve them, et cetera? So when people, um, we use that digital brand audit to understand, you know, how quote unquote good or bad or how strong or weak a brand is from a, um, a, a consumer or audience perspective. Also, I'm, I'm guessing how it compares with mm-hmm. what people are saying, the things they personally care right. about. I'm just thinking of myself, quite right. honestly. I mean, because, you know, we all default back to what we know. You know, I would guess when you think about it through that lens, I mean, you, you do these little sort of mechanical things. You go on to LinkedIn and it says, well, tell us about yourself. So you come up with something and you throw it out there. And, you know, you do that for each of the different media, but I'm going to guess what people read about me and what I would really want to say about myself are probably Mm. not quite the same. And I bet I'm not unique. No, no. You bring up a really excellent point. I think the questions I would ask you, you know, what are you known for and what do you want to be known for? And, and being sort of honest in your assessment of that, if, if what people, uh, again, if your online, online presence or online reputation often precedes you in any sort of real world or actual connection with others, they're going to you know, see your LinkedIn profile. They're going to see an article maybe you were mentioning or that you maybe wrote and not to sound you know, overly manipulative, manipulative, but you know, how are you controlling the narrative? What are you putting out into the world? Is what you're putting out there or what you're featured as or knowing or doing, is that match up with what you want to be known for? Does it match up with, you know, if there's a greater impact that you're seeking, are those pieces of content that are floating around out there, are they breadcrumbing, leading people to the place where, hey, this person stands for this and I can work with them for this and I can con- collaborate with them on these types of things. So you have to kind of guide people and there are ways to I'll say control the narrative that's out there. And, you know, the great place to start in the, you know, very, uh, it's, it's, it's quite basic and foundational is, is, you know, your LinkedIn profile. So a lot of people it's, it's, it's a platform for networking, right. And it's an opportunity to sort of put up that billboard for yourself uh, visually and with a short, you know, sort about section and, and in some version of, of your resume, and you have about less than 30 seconds. If someone happens to search you and find you on there, there's a couple of scrolls that they'll do. They'll look at, pick out certain things. And what is that impression that you're giving and what, what you want it to be? So that's, that's I think, um, you know, what is the point of all this is, is that so people can find you and very quickly know what you stand for, what you can do for them, how you can serve them, how they might work with you. And that's pretty critical to any business. Yeah. For a lot of solopreneurs, people talk about finding their tribe, their mm-hmm. community, either the raving fans, people who are going to be repeat customers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's, it is really important digitally to tell people pretty quickly, you're not going to be for everybody mm-hmm. and deciding who those people are that you are going to be for Mm -hmm. so that they can pretty quickly decide, ah, this is somebody I want to follow, or this is, this is somebody that I can relate to. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And your audience, I think it's, you know, in the, in the branding and marketing world, we talk a lot about, you know, target audience and and who's your audience. And I think a couple of things just to, to share on that. So, you know, I'm always the question, like, who cares? Why does this matter? But for individuals or, or those, you know, solopreneurs, um, you know, small business owners out there, you know, knowing your audience um, helps you helps you filter what you say and what you do for for the greatest impact. And um, I'll, I'll leave impact as a as a you have to define that for for yourself. So for um, for some, it's you know maximizing revenue. For some, it's you know uh, saving the planet. Whatever the, there's a, a wide range of, of impact. 
Um, so knowing your audience helps you figure out what you put out there, uh, content-wise, product-wise, services-wise, messaging that people will care about. Um, and you know, the, the people, you know, your audience, potential audience or consumers or clients out there, um, you have to be relevant to them. So you, there are things that you wanna say and you want to put out into the world, only what others are interested in hearing um, or th that is serving them in some way will be relevant to them. So knowing your audience, um, it will helps you achieve relevance. And once you once you find once you're relevant to someone, then they're more likely to work with you, to hire you, to pay you for you know whatever yeah. it is that you're offering. Well, you know, so, so what what do you do with people who are not very clear about their personal brand or their why? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's easy to say, okay, well, there's exercises, and you know, if I if I were mm -hmm not pretty good at hiding some things about myself and truths about myself or breaking through the fears. I'm sure I could sit down with Simon Sinek's finding your why. And I do the exercise and I go, Oh, there I am. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go forward. But it's not so easy for most of us. No. So how do you get past some of the noise and the fears and the resistance and the fogginess that a lot of us have. Yeah. So you're describing a great challenge and one that, you know, I think some clients are easier than others to work with through that, through what we call the discovery phase. It's essentially a guided self-reflection. I ask a lot of questions and I'm trying to, again, I, I always imagine kind of unearthing something that's within the person that they're either reluctant or afraid or unclear of, of how to say it and how to present it to the world, right? So there's, there's this gem, you know, inside of them. Some people describe it as like motivational interviewing, but it's just, again, comes back to that curiosity of having someone, a trusted third party, i.e. someone like me or others ask questions and just sort of really get to uncovering your purpose and impact and not uh, letting people off the hook. If they say, oh, this, you know, they kind of give a, a, a half answer. I, I really, um, it, with with good intent and, and love in my heart, push people to get to the place where they're clear. And it takes time, um, it takes dedicated time. It takes dedicated self-reflection. It's not, you know, read the book, do the, do the exercise on page five and, and you're, you're solved it. Um, it takes time. It takes work. And um, I, I like to say it's, it's really hard to do completely in isolation alone. So that's where, uh, you know, someone can help. And again, I mentioned those key stakeholders, um, who the people that know you best, we, we, we really lean heavily into those interviews with people who can give us insights into the client and, and play it back to them and said, Hey, you're, you're known for these things. Isn't that, isn't this amazing? What do you think? And just looking for those, um, those salient themes of the person that they feel good about that are pressure tested by their key stakeholders to say, Hey, th these, this is who you are. Um, and, and sort of try that out with them. So it's, it is, it, it, when we work with clients, it usually takes, we have about a three or four week process. Um, and it's not to imply it's a one and done in three and four weeks, but it's something that we, we, it, it's, it's a commitment that is made, um, you know, time-wise and financially that we're going to guide and be, be your accountability buddy through this thing, um, and get you to a place where you, where you are, uh, over the hump of being reluctant and you, you are willing to put that plan together to position and, and guide your brand, and then we'll help you bring it to life. Now I can see why you definitely see why you have a psychology background. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
what are some of the most common mistakes people make with their personal branding? And of course, I'm not talking about your clients because they have seen the light and are on the sunny side of the screen, yeah. or at least their <laughs> name there. But, you know, as a professional, I'm sure you look at messaging from lots of people and organizations. And what do you see as some of the most common mistakes? I think the the mistake, and this kind of comes back to, is just thinking that you can do it alone. I think the great leaders that I know have, not all of them have consultants, right? They have, but they do have, they surround themselves with, you know, people who lift them up, who inspire them, who support them. And if you find yourself kind of, okay, I'm, I'm a lone wolf, I'm out there on my own. I encourage people to, to kind of rethink that and, and find you, you mentioned kind of finding your tribe, but I think it's 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 a closer circle than that is people who can build you up and support you and kind of help you see and become the, the best version of your of yourself. So this idea that the mistake that I see is people thinking, you know, I, I think back to my my coach, Coach Kathy, like I, you know, I, can, I can do this myself. I'm, I'm you know, I can I can or I, I can do it alone. Um, and I think the other pitfall is. Um, is this idea that my experience will speak for itself. Um, my resume will speak for itself. I've, I've done the work. I'm credible in my field. I'm a subject matter expert. And like, you just kind of sit back and wait for the world to say, wow, that's so great. Like, can come, come be a keynote speaker on my, you know, my, on my stage, or I want to feature you in this article. You have to, um, make yourself visible. Um, and this idea of being, being a wallflower or being sort of in the background, um, and expecting great results or expecting impacts that, that you know we're trying to connect to sort of, you know purpose-driven impact um, is is a is a is a pitfall often that um, you especially for women I, I take I you know I have a lot of dear friends and and dear clients who have been so focused on their uh, their their jobs which sounds yes. sounds kind of silly but they yes. sort of sight of the world the greater you know outside their industry. Um, and you know, they're, or they're focused on climbing a ladder within their organization and that's the be all end all, but guess what? Organizations change, they grow. Um, there, there are reorganizations and layoffs where, you know, suddenly if you tie, you hitch your wagon to, to a certain star of a company and the company gets bought or acquired or changes track and you're, you're no longer there. Um, no. you know, what do you do next? So that idea of like over committing to one organization, one career that sometimes can be uh, a limiting factor for people. So that well, in, in, and what I see is entrepreneurs working in their business, not on their business. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, tell um, me more about that, Doris. What do you what do you see with that? Well, well, what I see is is working in the business. You know, what, the meeting the crisis like the of, of the day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got to do this today. I'm so busy. I just don't have time to do this or that. Um, and it's, you know, if you dig into it a lot of times, it's it's some task that's urgent, mm. but not necessarily, when I say working on the business, it's always stepping back and thinking about what does this business need? What can I contribute? What, what other things do I need to make the business be successful? Mm. And I think, you know, if you if you can step back and make that distinction, then finding the time to do personal branding and marketing and things like that. And this is do as I say, not as I do, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm very good at this myself, but I think you are more likely to be successful if you spend time working on the business mm -hmm. and not totally focused on being in it. 
Right, right. It's a great point. But you got to have some funny stories or examples of where personal branding is not quite where it needs to be. <laughs> okay, well, I'll try my best here. Think about, and this is not a client example. I just think out in the in the real world, we, we've seen the the good, the bad, the ugly of this, you know, the reality TV culture. And I think about, and these are mostly celebrities who get, you know, get the spotlight, if you will, and they get the followers and they grab the attention of culture, right? They are in this primo seat, right, to do something. And it's like, what are, what are they actually doing with that in that position of power? And I think back to, this is a you know, bad example, but like the, the Kardashians, right? Where it's yeah. like, they have this reality show, they have these brands, they're basically the super, super high brand awareness of as right. people. A lot of eyeballs on them. Right. And f- for what is my question? <laughs> like yeah. what is outcome right. that is achieved? And it's, you know, it's less funny and kind of more tragic. I'm like, this is a, a, a missed opportunity to really potentially, you know, use that visibility for good. And I'm sure each of them would, would mention something that, you know, there's, there's causes that they're or nonprofits that they're contributing to. And that's, that's wonderful. I don't mean to undermine any of that, but even if you're just commercially motivated, I mean, there's right. merchandise to be sold or subscriptions or something, you know, right. Exactly. So I think, I mean, I think about those where the, um, the visibility is not the problem, but the, the really clear kind of purpose driven, nature or the, the the greater impact is missing. And that's like, there are many of those examples, I think, out in the world. And I think the, the good thing is, I think people are becoming more consumers, especially in, in the, the the younger generations, I'll say, are, are less tolerant of those more superficial, um, you know, celebrity brands. And they're really pushing and wanting to follow personal brands that are more inspired, more inspiring, more, more helping uh, drive meaningful change in the world. And working for companies that also are more purpose-driven, I think there's a big, there, there are still jobs where you have to go for the paycheck, but people, I think, who have the opportunity and the privilege to assess are making choices about where they work, who they follow. Hopefully, um, the, the, the example of the Kardashians will be one of, of the past where it's, it's not wasted celebrity. That is funny and very insightful. You know, Laura, the time has absolutely flown by. I, I think we could probably talk for another hour about again. some of the, the yeah. funny examples yeah. or, of, of ways that people or companies can do a better job with their branding. Yeah. But before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to let our, our, my listeners know how they can reach you sure. if they have questions or they'd like more information about branding. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. So the easiest ways is to visit our website, which is www.breakthroughbrands.com. And we have a a quirky spelling of breakthrough where it's B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U brands.com. So breakthrough brands, Um, visit the site and there's a way to book exploratory calls there with me personally, get to know our team better, um, and just really understand what we're, what we're trying to do with the company is you know, building brands personal and professionally for people that stand for something and that are being built to break barriers. And we're, we're focused on empowering clients, uh, instilling confidence in them, as we talked a lot about today. And really, you know, this, this strategic pushing and collaborative pushing of people to uh, you know, stand up for who they are and have the greatest impact on the world. So we, anyone out there um, who's, you know, seeking that impact will help hopefully on your journey to get clear on your purpose and, and help you activate and realize that impact. Um, so visit the website, 
and there's a way to get in contact with me there. And I'd love to, to hear from any of you. Sounds like something I could use. So let's do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Laura, thanks so much for being with me today. It was really a pleasure having you on this. Yeah, I appreciate show. you having me. It was great chatting with you and I appreciate you having me on your show. You can find more helpful information for entrepreneurs and business on my consulting website, globalocityservices.com, as well as my new radio show website, thesavvyentrepreneur.org, where you'll find lots of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other free resources. My doors are always open for comments, questions, and suggestions. You can email me at dnagel at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.